Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You're about to listen to a Women in Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, I'm Sheena Brady, and I'm the founder of TST and Founders Fund. We believe in investing in yourself and your well-being while investing in women around the world. And I'm based in Ottawa, Ontario. Being informed by data, but not acting alone on data. And that's tricky, right? So at the end of the day, it's a combination of like, okay, looking at the numbers, looking at the stats, looking at all the facts, and then, you know, letting that influence what next steps might look like. And then it's also a combination for me anyway, trusting my gut. My gut makes me like risk adverse. I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I will just jump into anything without thinking twice about it, which is not good. And I've learned the craft over the years of making sure that I also back it up with being informed by data. So it's a really tricky balance because in the past, I've definitely just have dived, you know, right off the cliff. And then, you know, I'm just like, wait, where's the parachute? Oh no, I forgot to build it. So, you know, I've had those moments, but, you know, I think a recent example of a huge risk I took on, we had a partnership, ironically, with another company in LA. They gave us our biggest purchase order to date. And it was 125,000 units of one product that I carried. So right. it was a really big order. And in order to make that happen, I needed money, obviously, to front the manufacturing costs of manufacturing this product. Right. And so it was half a million dollars I needed to find. Yeah. Oh, let's just go find <laughs> a half a mil. Yeah. Let's that's go find crazy. Half a million. Yeah. It was in, and also in, let's go find half a million in the middle of a pandemic. <gasps> Good luck. This was in wow. April. And I, and I had our, our, um, I was, you know, talking to my bank and I was like, you need to help me. Like, this is again, like by this point I had a really good relationship with my bank and it took years to get there, but come on, half a million dollars is a lot of money, especially yeah. in the middle of the pandemic. I knew I was going to have my work cut out for me. Yeah. And the thing about purchase orders for anyone who's not familiar with what that process looks like, if somebody buys something from you and commits to a large order, you have to say yes to the purchase order first and then go to the bank and say, I have a guaranteed revenue purchase order. So it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. I can't just go to the bank and say, hey, I want to pitch this product, but can you back me for 500 grand? They're going to be like, "Um, no, go get the purchase order first. But then if I say yes to the purchase order and the bank says, oh, okay, but we still can't do it, then I have to let down the client and lose the sale, right? It's a tricky thing. So 
I was pleading with my bank. I was like, look, you have to help me, help me figure this out. And I was organizing all the paperwork and everything, credit checks, all that stuff. And they were just like, look, we're so focused on helping businesses that are drowning in the pandemic right now. Like you're not our priority. Like we're really Mm -hmm. sorry. And I said, well, if you don't help me, like I'm going to become one of those businesses that are drowning, you know, in the middle of this pandemic. And so I, you know, I became super relentless and I worked with my amazing account manager and I worked with other banks. So this is, you know, I worked with three different banks to make this happen together. Um, And I had to put everything on the line. I had to, they were only able to help with, you know, like 75% of the money I needed. And I had to put up the other 25%. And I went everywhere from personal savings, every stock that I own. And I don't own that many stocks, but like it was everything I had. My daughter's RESP again, all my savings. Like I had to put up my home as collateral if I were to default on it. I had to like do everything to make this happen. But I knew again, like calculated risk, my gut told me it was right. My gut told me like, this is amazing values aligned company that is an honor to be featured in basically. And it'll open up more opportunities. That's what my gut was telling me, but that's not a guarantee. But the data told me like 125,000 products going out means 125,000 new people viewing your product, which is a big deal. And you want to boost your exposure in the U.S. because we're a Canadian company. This will help do that because it's an American company. And if you do this strategically, you can create incentives so that their customers come back to your website. Like they fall in love with your brand and then they come back to you and make it like an amazing experience. And so even though the margins were not super strong on that order, because again, of the size and everything, exchange rate, middle of the pandemic, all that stuff, I was like, this is also a marketing opportunity. So I looked at the data, I trusted my gut, I did what it took, and I knew it was guaranteed revenue. At the end of the day, I will get paid, but it's a long time to get paid, and I had to sit on a ton of interest. My interest was $4,000 a month on that loan. Hi, I'm Ellen Scanlon, the co-founder of The High Guide and How to Do the Pot podcast, a cannabis education platform for women. Well, the way that I think about hierarchy is the conditions. So the the top conditions that we focus on. So things like sleep, things like sex, things like stress. Those are just enormous, enormous topics. So that would be the top of the hierarchy. And then digging down and thinking about where we could make an impact Mm -hmm. and where we could rank on the first or second page. Totally. Another great little tip trick online related to SEO. And Ellen, you may want to even implement this with Do The Pod is MindMeister is a mind map tool that I use. And MindMeister has public mind maps. And those public mind maps, because MindMeister has been in business for so long, rank really high on Google search engines. So if you create a public mind map that everybody could see with the right keywords, it's probably going to rank at the top of Google. And as long as you include your website or podcast or whatever it is in the main bubble or in one of the bubbles, you could receive traffic that way as well. So... A little bit. This is why yeah. I knew I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> uh, a, a little bit of note taking. Hey, you guys, maybe we'll do like a deep dive into SEO one day to, to benefit all of you and building your companies and your roles. But getting back into how you built community for Do The Pot, how do you continue to cultivate community to ignite the conversations, to rally everyone together? Do you focus on email list, where do you focus that funnel of people finding your content online? And now how do you transform the discovery of the content into a community? 
Well, we want to be away from algorithms. Uh, that's been really just what we've had to do. And so, yes, we have a newsletter that has been going out since July. And uh, we send it out every other week. And that's intentional because we really, really want this content to be special. And we want people to be excited about it. And there are conventions that we always set up. We always do the same kinds of things. That's been, I think, an important part of building community in cannabis, finding conventions that women are used to in other areas of their life, and then bringing that to cannabis so it feels more familiar. So cannabis is just such a big topic. And if you have had a bad experience, or if you're not willing to step into a market that is, you know, that was illegal for a long time. There are just a lot of barriers. So you utilize your newsletter a lot in order to cultivate the community. Uh, What do you use for your newsletter program? Well, interesting story. We started with MailChimp, but we were kicked off because they said that we had, uh, we were allowing links to CBD, uh, which was kind of because we were actually linking to THC companies for sure. (laughs) But um, now we use Clavio, which is uh, something that was recommended by other peers in the industry. And when we got on the call with Clavio, the very first thing they said was, you know, we love cannabis brands. We know a lot of other email providers don't, and we want to help you and we want to help this industry. So it's been a great resource. I have to say I was a little bit Well, it was just a huge undertaking to switch platforms, but Clavio is generally, I think, used for product emails. And so a lot go out. So we are paying for more than what we're using, but they have an interesting feature where you can uh, send your email, schedule everything, and then you can actually send it again to the unopens. I wasn't sure how it was going to work, but it's been a great tool for us. And we changed the content a little bit or changed the headline and send it a few days later. And uh, we have been getting very, very good open rate. That's really interesting. I send the majority of my messages manually. So I hadn't thought of something, but that's an interesting marketing process where if somebody doesn't open an email to be able to identify that quickly and automate resending, I think that's really good for all of us to know. I'm sure the emailers of the bunch listening are like rolling their eyes at me, Esprit. We already knew that, but, <laughs> 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 but not everybody, you guys, not everybody knows. <laughs> This is Eva Rentero from Soprasteria based in Scotland. I am a data scientist and we are a European leader in consulting digital services and software development. I've been doing martial arts for 18 years now. It is a Japanese martial art. So they teach you that you need to be strong enough and flexible enough with yourself to be able to help anybody else. So that is my thought every day. So if, if I am not okay, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm not going to be able to help myself more. I'm not going to be able to deliver my job. I'm not going to be able to help anybody else, like my friends or my family. Also, I do a checklist every single night and I implement these new changes uh, like very, very in a slow motion. I cannot implement a new habit a month, like all those new, uh, how can I say, waves are trying to make us think that, no, you should drink three liters of water. You should do exercise. You should do yoga. You should do a stretching. You need to do mindfulness. Welcome to my brain. And then it's like, <laughs> That's what my brain sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And the other day, like, can I have five minutes to have a heart attack, please? (laughs) So we need to start step by step. And also what it works for you probably is not going to work for me. There is many people is doing yoga. Yoga doesn't work for me. Martial arts, in my case, is yoga for me because we are doing everything for two hours. Like everything is just low motion, uh, working out, being super calm, very concentrated, very focused. 
I cannot do yoga, but I can do that. You cannot do martial art, for example. Maybe you can do yoga. So in the morning, you need to think one day, you need to sit down with yourself, say, okay, from all those habits in social media, which ones are the ones that probably are going to fit with me the best? In my case, uh, drinking water in the morning has changed my life because now I don't have headaches. And not because I was stressed, it's because I was dehydrated. <laughs> Nobody told me about it. So first thing in the morning, drinking water, great. Stretches. Well, after a month, you can stretch every day, every morning. In the first month, every day, without any knowledge, you're going to break because you are just stiff from that. So you need to make a list and you need to prioritize. For me, I love reading. I don't have time for reading. So what is the point to be pushing myself to have 10 minutes to read a book when I will maybe prefer to having cuddles for 10 minutes before bed? So we need to stop. We need to slow down. Habits are amazing. They can change your life, but we don't have to have 15 different habits. They're all good, but they're probably most of us are not going to be good for you. So you need right. to choose your own ones. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.